Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm hanging in there, I guess is the word I would use. Yes. Yeah. Today is November 5. When this drops, it will be November 6. And um, when while recording, we are still eagerly awaiting the results of the U.S. presidential election, uh, dealing with all the feelings. Can't believe it's this close. Yeah. It's really can't believe it. True. I have been a ball of nerves. Ball of nerves. I'm mostly optimistic at this point. I think that we will have a new president. And that's a wonderful thing. I am, however, incredibly sad to see that it really is turning into a straight 50-50 split. I know. I am not optimistic yet because I was so burned from the last one. I honestly am like, I am just assuming the worst. And that is... That's coming from me, who I am the, you know, I'm an aggressive right, You're aggressively optimist. optimistic as you, I as am. you describe yourself. Yeah, and I that's do. accurate. You are aggressively but optimistic. today I'm like, I can't take the um, heartbreak. Yeah. If it happened. I am. Um, I saw a tweet that said, I am nauseously optimistic. <laughs> and that's how I feel. I am nauseously optimistic. I don't remember who tweeted it, but it was very funny. <laughs> that is accurate. I am... Also very nauseous. And I've been singing a lot of karaoke just mm-hmm. to make my brain not think about I dig it. that. I dig that. Yeah. It was nice when I got to do a few numbers with you. Thank you. It feels good. Anytime. I was in a great mood when I left. We I was like, do it every sing, day. sing, sing. Do you we know, do it every day. Oprah said, which I know some people don't like her, but whatever, I like her. Um, she says that if you sing first thing in the morning, like really sing a song, mm-hmm. you have a better day. And I believe that. Oh, I believe that too. Yeah. So we try with the kids and they're like, I don't want it. <laughs> Can I have some more Halloween candy? And I'm like, go fuck yourself. No, I'm kidding. I love it so much. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Vanya. And I'm Avrin. And this is Rom Crime Vigilante. The word vigilante is complex. It can seem black and white. But today, we aim to take you into the gray. Yes, we do. Join us, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, God, you guys, this story. So like last time, I'm going to start with giving a little bit of background from where, from whence this, whence know where the story. From where the story takes place. I think that'll be something we do often, only because we are going to, we're going to travel the globe with this, with this. Since we can't travel with the pandemic, we're traveling the globe with some horrific crime. (laughs) Um, No, it's totally fine. I love that. I think that I'm a person who I feel like maybe I overexplain things because my brain is always on fire and going from a hundred different places all the right. time. So I'm like, I'm just going to start. So we're going, we're in Russia, guys. We're we in, in Russia. Russia. We're and in it's Moscow. Moscow and modern, modern day Russia within yeah. the last, you know, yes, few the, years. Yes, the act of vigilantism that we are going to talk about took place in the summer of 2018. So just, very recently. I want to start off by defining for you, which you definitely know, but I just needed to start with the uh, definition of the patriarch patriarchy smash it dictionary.com <laughs> says it's a form of so- of a social organization in which the father is the supreme authority in the family clan or tribe and descent is reckoned in the male la- line so like if they die the wom- the mother wouldn't get it it'd be the firstborn son right and also with the children always belonging to the father wow um, it's I mean, also I didn't kn- know that, but yeah. Yeah, I know. But it's also known as a society, community, or country based on this social organization that I just explained to you. It's also a social system in which power is held by men through cultural norms and customs that favor men with and withhold opportunity from women. Smash it. That's right. <laughs> Smash the patriarchy is and what I'm saying. Something I didn't under re- I didn't realize, but in Russia, the conservative party there are they champion the patriarch movement in America, in the U.S. where we live. We have a lot of things that are not great. Yes, we. This is a patriarchy. However, we do have women in power. We are in. We're working hard in in transition. I mean, Gloria Steinem, all the people, RGP. Oh yes, I mean, so there's it's not a, like a there's an active movement. Yeah, trying to limit how patriarchal our country is exactly. it's just it's got a long road exactly it has a long road but i wanted to it start there yeah. now we're going to move into uh talks about laws pertaining domestic violence in russia that's correct okay so according to the loc.org which is the library of congress russia is one of the three countries in europe and central asia that currently don't have laws specifically targeting domestic abuse the true scale of domestic abuse or sorry violence we can also call it in russia is un- pretty much unknown because the russian government doesn't keep stats on domestic violence how convenient for them i know i think i feel like my sellable s's are just going crazy sorry for everyone russia <laughs> so let's go to a couple more definitions because you know vanya likes her definitions yeah, define a wig so the difference between non-aggravated battery or assault and the and aggravated right so non-aggravated is an unlawful physical attack by one person upon another where no weapon is present and no severe injuries occur. That's sort of American, but like, I guess we can kind of... So like if you slap someone or punch them, but they don't need the hospital, exactly. that's non-aggravated assault? Non-aggravated assault. Aggravated assault is the crime of physically attacking another person which results in serious bodily harm and or is made with a deadly or dangerous weapon such as a gun, knife, sword, axe, or blunt instrument. Mm-hmm. So just there you got that. Um, now, before 2016, there were laws in place. And I guess 2017, because between 2016 and 2017, things were sort of changing. But before that, there were laws in place where non-aggravated battery was a crime punishable by a fine up to 40,000 rubles, approximately $700 or up to three month detention or six month period of mandatory work with 
reduced income at a place designated by the authorities. Hot damn, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. So it's like, we're going to strip you of your money, yep. force you to do free labor, and we're not telling you where we're sending you. Exactly. Well, that's a good reason not to hurt people. That's right. And, not that that's, and I think then, it's good to do that either, Of course, to punish people in that way. But it's definitely good to have... Consequences. Uh, consequences, yeah. yeah. So also with aggravated battery, it carried harsher punishment and longer like jail time and thing like that, things like that. Okay. So in 2017, Vladimir Putin signed into law a controversial amendment that decriminalized this domestic violence. And it had a lot to do with a couple things. Uh, I was reading an article in The Guardian. The amendment, which apparently just sailed through both houses of Russian par- parliament, also known as Dama, I guess, elicited anger from critics who said that it sends the wrong message in a country where, according to some estimates, one woman dies every 40 minutes from domestic abuse. But remember, we don't know really how many. I mean, they have right. police stats, but they really don't know. It makes moderate violence within families an administrative rather than criminal offense. So what that means is, so from now on, beatings of spouses or children that result in bruising or bleeding but not broken bones mm-hmm. are punishable by 15 days in prison or a fine, if they do, but if they do not happen more than once a year and you're a first time. So if you did it once, you're yeah. not, you're, no problem. No, completely decriminalized. Oh, so, okay. So like once a year, you can beat your family. Yeah, with no problem. With no consequences. And previously, it carried a maximum jail sentence for two years. Wow. Defenders of the law say it closes a... So defenders of this law, they're like that wanted to decriminalize it, say it closes a nonsensical loophole by which violent acts committed by family members are punished more harshly than those committed by strangers. So apparently like they were like, well, you know, a stranger could come up and slap my kid on the street and not even nothing. But if it's the family member, then... Sounds very patriarchal. Continue. So... Here we go. Don't forget about the church because there is not a, a church and state, you know, separation as we wish we had a true line in this right. country. As but, we in theory have here, mm-hmm. but certainly don't seem to yeah. be. But so the Russian Orthodox Church claimed the law is about protecting Russian traditions where the family is sacred. And I got a quote from this priest. His name was Priest Dmitry Smirnov, head of the Russian Orthodox Patriarchy's Commission on Family Matters, so a politician, said that the idea the state should be able to poke its nose into family matters was a Western imposition on Russia. But like... Can there- you just reread his title? Yes. Um, Priest Dmitry Smirnov, head of the Russian Orthodox Patriarchy's Commission on Family Matters. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a Western thing per this priest to say to a man you shouldn't hurt your wife or your kids. Yeah, and but, that's one way to rile up Russians. Yeah, you know, and be like, oh yeah, no, we don't want any Russian. We don't Western want to be Western. Influence. It's not Western influence. It's just like it's you know, like humanitarian decency. Yeah, and so, the rights of of women and children not to live in constant fear, that- which makes. Absolutely. It makes sense to protect the weak, right? Right. Okay, so the new law decriminalizes some forms of domestic violence by making it an administrative, like I said, rather than criminal offense. But the problem is, well, one of the problems are is that the Russian poli- or the police in Russia usually treat domestic abuse as a family issue providing little or no help at all. Mm-mm. Now, I'm going to tell you guys a little another story where this this is an example, but first I think we need to go into our story. Yeah. Um before I do that. So I'm going to let I'm going to let I hope that gave everybody kind of an idea of like 
what kind of protection that women and children have right now. I mean, it gave me nauseous anxiety (laughs) on top of my nauseous optimism. Good God. That's just truly, it's it's frightening to think in just like modern societies across the board in developed places that people have that backwards way of of thinking still. It it baffles the mind. Okay, Vaughn. So today I'm going to tell you the story of Maria Angelina and Christina Kachaturian. And I hope I'm saying that right. Again, I've been practicing. So Maria Angelina and Christina spent their childhoods in fear, scared of the wrath of their violent father, Mikael, who made their lives a living hell. They were beaten daily, sexually abused, um, shot with an air gun. I looked that up because I was like, what the hell is an air gun? Yeah, you can't just know. shoot people with guns. Like a potato gun? It's basically a gun that fires pellets using compressed air. So it can be, it's considered a lethal weapon, but it's very unlikely to ever kill a person. But you could kill like a small bird or a rabbit with it. Ew. But it would still hurt like hell. So beaten daily, sexually abused, shot out with an air gun. Um, It's also claimed that he put cameras in the family's apartment to snoop on the girls when he wasn't home. And um, in, I believe, 2016, by gunpoint, he forced the girl's mom, Aurelia, I believe is how you say her name, from the home, told her if she had any contact with her daughters again, he would murder them all. And she like fled from the home and was unable to come back for fear of being murdered or having her daughters murdered. Oh, my God. So by July of 2018, the sisters basically, they had had enough. Like, they they couldn't take it anymore. And as shown by the police investigation that followed the incident, on the day of Mikhail Kachaturian's death, he returned home after medical treatment at a psychiatric and neurological center Interesting. Yep. He was incredibly pissed off at what he said was the mess the girls had made in the apartment and just the extra cost of even having them around How in the first place. Oh, How old? The daughters yeah. are, um, so Mar- Maria was 17, Angelina was uh, 18, and Christina was 19. Oh, God. So, that poor mother, she just like shot him out one at a, like, yeah, year after year. Just babies. Like a solid decade of being... Not pregnant, but having young babies oh, and being pregnant. Gosh. So it's July now, 2018. And the sisters are kind of, they're, it's coming to a wit's end situation. Like the last straw happens to be on this day when he comes home, says that their apartment is a disaster. And also he's just berating them, which was a constant in their life. He was not only physically and sexually violent, but he was verbally violent, psychologically very violent. And he called them into his bedroom one by one. And um, sprayed them in the face with pepper spray as their punishment for the house being too messy. Oh, my God. Now, the oldest daughter, Christina, had severe asthma. And because of the amount of the pepper spray, which is gas and chemical stuff, the amount that he sprayed in her face actually full like brought her into a full-on asthma attack where she felt unconscious. (gasps) And um, Angelina and Maria basically thinking that she might be dead. Because she's just fallen unconscious. And you can die from... It's very serious. Yeah. They decided that that night they were going to kill their dad. So now it's a little later in the evening. Uh, Mikhail often fell asleep watching television in the living room in his armchair. And the two younger sisters came up behind him and attacked him by hitting him with a hammer and stabbing him with a hunting knife. Now Mikhail wakes up 
after oh God. the first stab and then is confused, wakes up, then there's blows to the hammer and is still confused, but starts to try to kind of fight back. Now, Christina, who had been previously unconscious in the other room, hears the noise, comes running out, sees what's going on, and she grabs the pepper spray and she begins to spray it in her dad's face to kind of help her sisters because from her perspective, she didn't know who was attacking who at this point. Right, wow. Um, she then runs to the stairs outside of the apartment. Mikhail follows her. Angelina, who is the middle child, grabs the knife from Maria, runs out after her dad and stabs him once in the, in the heart. And they said that that was, in fact, the fatal stab wound. So after uh, Kachaturian, Mikhail Kachaturian's death, his daughter's inflicted knife wounds on themselves before calling the police to make it appear that the, their dad had attacked them first. And then they called 911. Before I get to like what happened after, I want to talk a little bit about what it was like <laughs> to be a member of this family. And this all comes from the investigation that the Russian authorities did into this into this murder. Okay. So they initiated an inspection of local child protection agencies to see if there had been like complaints filed. There had been. Um, the organizations ne never took the necessary steps after receiving complaints about Mikhail from the sister's school teachers. And moreover, Mikhail Kachaturian was repeatedly reported to the police. Um, but after the murder occurred, law enforcement agencies denied that they had ever received any complaints, either via the hotline or at the local police station. And the, the former wife, the girl's mother, said that the police inaction was due to the close relationship that Mikhail had with the police. He was thought to potentially be kind of like mafia. Oh, really? That was like in cahoots with some bad policemen. And so that, that is why every time anyone brought anything to the cops, they just never did anything. And that information, so that's what Aurelia, the girl's mom said, and that information was subsequently confirmed that he mm. was in fact reported to the police who did in fact nothing. Uh, friends and acquaintances noted that Mikhail's piety and superstitions and strict rules that he established for the family um, kind of were where all of this came from. So what you were talking about, the patriarchy. Not only did the girls live with Mikhail, but um, his mother, his sister, and his nephew like were all like in, I mean, maybe not always living in the same place, but like right. close family always around. And they shared his patriarchal and misogynistic views. So they believed the beatings that they saw him giving, which they now deny. But at the time, the way that the girls described it is they said, well, you deserved it. Like your father is the king and he can do whatever he wants to you. On top of just, you know, being a real special kind of dad, uh, Mikhail <laughs> also had an addiction to sleeping pills, Oxycontin, heroin, which, among other things, basically caused dramatic shifts in his moods. Neighbors, teachers, his daughter's friends, and their parents confirmed that they witnessed Mikhail often behaving violently towards his daughters. Shortly after throwing his wife out at gunpoint, that's when Mikhail started to harass the three girls. Um, one of... The girls, I believe it was it was either Angelina or Christina, attempted suicide after being forced to perform oral sex on her father, yeah. but was resuscitated by doctors when an ambulance came. Ugh, um, during gross. the police investigation, the sisters claimed that their father forced them to engage in group sex, and um, Angelina's friends and relative uh, and relatives also testified 
testified, excuse me, about more than 10 cases of sexual violence against her specifically. Really? The middle daughter. Okay. The one that did the fatal stab wound. Oh, good. Um, 10 specific instances where he sexually abused just on Galena were known to her friends and a few of her relatives. And then just to drive home that this is all true. Everything these girls say they experienced, everything their mother says they experienced, a medical examination confirmed that all three of these girls had injuries that were due to sexual abuse. Yeah. What kind of injuries would that be? I don't even want to know, but like, I don't, have like a list of what those are. Yeah. I feel like I can imagine how you might be able to sure. detect like that. scarring down there or something. Right, and maybe even current bruising because all yeah. of this happened pretty much, they were arrested the day after he Jesus. was killed. So also by 2018, in addition to the constant daily, practically every second of every day abuse, he stopped letting the girls like leave the house, period. So... Maria and Angelina went to the same grade. They were in the same grade because that's how close in age they are. Um, But they were almost never allowed to even go to school. In fact, in the year that the murder occurred of the whole school year, so it happened on July 27 of uh, 2018, that year, the school year that led up to that, they had been in school a total of two months. So out of a whole school year, they were around for two months of it. I mean, that should put some spidey sense exactly. up for like people yep. to so, do some checks on them. Uh, I could not agree more. So um, so they were almost never there. The sisters reported that he constantly bullied and threatened them with weapons if they tried to go to school. So apart from the school psychologist, who I guess did try to talk to them and say like, what's going on? How, can we help you? Most neighbors and most other school teachers, so it was just the school basically counselor that was interested in helping them. But most neighbors and school teachers prefer not to interfere. That goes back to, I think, a very like societal The custom. Russian Orthodox yep. family. And did not provide any significant support. They also, not only did they um, conduct medical examinations, but they were put under extreme like psychiatric and psychological um, evaluations as well. And they were all found to be suffering from uh, post-traumatic stress. They were fully like non-functioning humans as a result of the constant mm-hmm. fear and abuse that they dealt with. So they killed their dad. And before, I just want a little bit of like a moment to just talk this out with you. Yes, so vigilantism is complicated. Okay. But as I will explain, as we continue to talk, as they were doing this investigation, They have, like, proof between video footage that, like, one of the girls would sneak on her cell phone or text messages from their dad saying, like, you're a prostitute and you're going to die like a prostitute. I'm going to beat you up and kill you. Like, these are proven texts that he would send his daughters, text exchanges that the girls had with their friends that were describing horrific goings on, including Mm. some of the sexual abuse allegations. Well, I think there's a whole group of people who don't believe these girls. There is. And also that it's been it's been confirmed that police were contacted about his conduct. Right. There's and proof. There's evidence. Nothing. There's evidence to that fact. So it just it makes me crazy, but that's why I wanted to that's why Vanya and I wanted to talk about these stories. Mm-hmm. Because I'm gonna tell you right now that I believe this was justified. Oh, absolutely. I believe this was self-defense. Yes. And I will get into a little bit of like the back and forth with like the prosecution and the defense on what they believe. But based on everything that was presented as evidence that's not even like disputed right. by the prosecution or the investigators, they still say and have charged the three girls with 
premeditated murder. They've been indicted, which basically created like a huge uproar mm-hmm. in um, Russia and really called to light a right. lot of what you were talking about, which is the far-reaching domestic abuse problem where there is nowhere right. to turn for help. Exactly. It is, I personally think, the government's fault that this happened. It is, because they repealed abuse being a criminal act. Now mm-hmm. it's an administrative act. Right. And then, and Fuck also that. maybe, you know, this is... A little bit like um, if you guys listened to our last episode uh, for episode one, season right, two, like where it's like palms. we have, yeah, exactly. We have like a criminal who's got the police sort of in, he's in cahoots with them. I just want to kind of let you guys know, because this all just happened, it's yes. still happening. Oh, yes, yes. So here's where we are now. As I mentioned, the girls were indicted on charges of premeditated murder, which sparked an uproar. Shortly after they were arrested, journalists, way to go media, like stay strong. Start publishing audio recordings and correspondence, those text messages I told you about, the videos that would prove the violence and sexual assault from the father that these girls were suffering. Their lawyers adopted a defense strategy that denied a premeditated conspiracy and focused on the spontaneity of the murder due to the difficult emotional condition of the sisters. So after a really long and tangled pretrial investigation, this is what was decided. The two elder sisters, Christina and Angelina, are going to stand trial together. Maria, who was a minor at the time the crime was committed, she's going to have her own trial. And that's for two reasons. One, she was a minor when the murder was committed, and she has also been deemed mentally unfit to commit murder. So she's going to be tried separately. Basically, like, she is so psychologically damaged and traumatized that they, there's, they're like, she's just not capable of making a decision like right. that. Um, so it seemed in the beginning uh, that the public pressure to like release these girls was working. It was working. Even the prosecutor's office were like, you know, because of the beating, the constant humiliation, the threats and abuse, physical and sexual, uh, it was a a defensive reaction. And so initially they wanted to reclassify the case, the prosecutors from premeditated murder to necessary self-defense. Absolutely. Which would mean an end to the criminal investigation. And the sisters would be like, go the sisters who now, face up to 20 years in prison under a premeditated murder charge. But in a weird, out of the blue, but wasn't really reversal, the very same prosecutor who lowered the charges from originally being premeditated to being like, no, it was in fact self-defense, then switched back and said, no, we're going to charge them with premeditated murder. Why? No explanation was given. So, so somebody got to him. Yeah, one of the lawyers for the sisters, um, who often represents victims of domestic abuse, linked this reversal to a wider trend of dismissing all human rights cases that had been growing since the passage of a controversial amendment to the Russian Constitution following a referendum yeah. on July 1st, which was... The referendum was designed to solidify President Vladimir Putin's rule for years to come and was followed by a string of like high-profile arrests. So anybody who would ever... I don't know, riled up the people to like stand up and say, we need to change the way things are done here. All of a sudden, being silenced. they're being arrested again yeah. on like decades old crimes. Mm-hmm. These girls are now no longer guaranteed to be set free as a result of crazy. defending themselves. But now it's, and, and the trial was supposed to start in August, Vanya, of right, right now. Of right now. Oh, really? Of August, August 2020 was supposed to be... Um, Christina and Angela, uh, Angelina's trial, yeah. um, it has been delayed three times. In fact, today was supposed to be jury selection. It's, I believe, the third attempt at jury selection was today. 
It also had to be postponed and rescheduled due to an illness that one of the girls suffered. Oh, those poor um, girls. Oh, my God. This is just... So this is an ongoing saga that people are still fighting for. And then real quickly, another thing that's kind of happened as time goes by with this. So now we have these girls, we have their stories, we have the investigation that completely backed up everything that they said. As time goes by, though, family members of Mikael, his sister, his nephew, have come forward and completely refuted the abuse, said that the girls just wanted to steal Mikael's money because he was mobbed up, so he had like some money. Why didn't he just get hookers? I mean, I mean I'm sorry, hookers. I know, is not and sex so workers, now, now still. it's actually a really divided public in Russia. It said That's that so something up. like 40, 40 some percent believe the girls were justified in doing what they did. Twenty some percent believe that it was premeditated murder, but then the resulting, like the rest, are they don't know, and a lot of that is because of the the family members of the abuser have come forward and called these girls basically like gold diggers who just wanted their dad's money and that's why they plotted to kill him. And so that's where we leave it today. But there's proof that they were sexually assaulted Um, by him. So that's just like... physically and emotionally like abused by him constantly. I just feel like for me, it is black and white what was right. Yeah, it's... To me, there is no... There's no question. Now, obviously, there are better ways if you live in a place where when you ask for help, you will receive it. Or when you live in a place where people see a man beating his children, assaulting his wife, they will say something. And so for me, I I feel like this is going to be an interesting part of this journey for us, Vanya, is that like, depending on where we are in the world, the circumstances might not feel like in the USA, it would have warranted taking action. Right. Because you could have called the police. Oh, yeah. And they the would kids have would have been put into foster, foster care, care or something. Or I mean, something would have happened. Not that I'm not in the U.S. is fucked up and has sure, all kinds sure. of problems and issues. But we, but we try and we have lots of good people trying to all protect the time. women yes. and, and children. And there are laws that exist and, the, and there are resources outside of law enforcement that mm-hmm. you can reach out to. Yeah. Um, and so for me, this is, this is not gray. Like, I believe that what they did was justified, even if it was... Absolutely planned and then there were little things you know like cutting themselves to try to make it look like he had attacked them first like they knew they needed it to seem like self-defense well i and i I I do remember reading like there is a there is a law in russia that like if it's deemed like you're in a hostage situation which i think that is a hostage situation for killing somebody then it's not you know yeah it's actually one of the few differences i think in like the the criminal code for russia is that self-defense in the u.s you have to, your life had to be, has to be an That's imminent true. danger. Yeah. Like you are going to die or they're going to die in this exact moment that this death happens right. for you to be able to use self-defense as a, as an excuse for what happened. In yes. Russia, that, that's not true. Uh, continuous crimes against you, such as a hostage situation, or constant daily four years in the running, yeah. endless abuse. I mean, it is, I think when this does go to trial, Putin or whatever, they need to they need to go f- with the women, with the girls, because if they don't, it's just going to show that they don't give a shit about family, quote unquote. Right. But that's just me. And well, they don't. Well, they could say that they're, you know, standing up for the patri- or for the, the patriarchy yeah. and for like a man who's dead who can't defend himself or deny well, that these kind charges, of idea. But of like the gross. somebody being a king. That I think that's where t- patriarchy is so toxic. Because I, I mean, I don't really know this situation, but it's putting so much pressure this is not this situation but like pressure on the man to be like the breadwinner and the da 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 and the da da when you basically create a, a world where the the male 
head of a family is responsible for the well-being in every sense of the word for that family, but is also completely within the rights to destroy the family. But also, if he should and so like want to, for kids seeing that, so generation yeah, growing up, generation growing up, generation growing up. It's like what we were talking about with the the guys on the bus that they like didn't even know they're oh, just in causing India. mischief on the last yes, episode, yes. and it's like it's so deeply sewed into the fabric of just the world today yeah. because. Almost all societies are, are patriarchal societies. And that is where we're gonna everything's gonna change because Lord knows that women are, we're all equal. We hold up fifty percent of the sky, right? And there's more gonna, of us. There's more of us. And obviously, like let's just be kind and <laughs> right. we common basic like decency. <laughs> exactly. Human rights, you know? Exactly. So just another example, uh, is this is an uh, another abuse that happened and it's not it's not a uh, vigilante story but i thought this was important because it was one of those that was also kind of like the media it's, took a hold of and, it's and an like, example of russia needs to, to change exactly everything when it comes to domestic violence so her name was margarita Gracheva and her husband so she was she had abuse by her husband of course according to a bbc article i read it was December 11, 2017 and margarita's husband dimitri offered to give her a, a ride to work but instead, he drove her in the opposite direction to, towards the forest. He parked the car, he dra drags her out of her seat, and he goes and gets an axe from the trunk and chops off both of her hands. Hmm, that's interesting. Mm. So then he dumps her in, in the emergency department at their local hospital before driving to the police station and confessing up to his crime. So, yeah. What? Mm -hmm. So he drives her to the forest, chops off her hands, then make sure she survives and then goes to the cops? Like, what was the motivation for doing any of so, this? So these guys met in high school or in school and they began dating after college. At the beginning, they were happy, but apparently he would like flare up over small things and he would always swear he would kill her if she was ever unfaithful to him, which she wasn't. But their relationship sort of went sour when Margarita started working in this like advertising section of the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And despite Dimitri having a degree, he could not find work except for driving a forklift truck. And he became super resentful of her career and jealous of her, any male colleague. And so it's that thing where, you know, the idea that like he had to be the one that was making the money and doing the thing. And this like just ate him up inside. At home, he was increasingly cold and withdrawn and things were sort of like not great. So Margarita said she thought that they should split up. But he completely ignores her. So she actually gets divorce papers and he was pissed. One night he texts her in her bedroom, in their one bedroom apartment, waking up the children who they, the kids saw bruises. They have two kids. The next time when he threatened her with a knife, then she goes to the police. She said she writes in a statement to the desk officer and they said they won't, you know, we'll get back to you in 20 days. And she's like, dude, he's going to kill me by that point. And the desk person was like, explain that women often make complaints only to withdraw them later. Oh and we're just swamped with other police work. So they're like, so what's the point of us even getting involved? Five days after the case was dropped, left for lack of evidence, that's when Dimitri cuts off her hands. And just so you know, because I think this is important and I wanted to know, her mutilated left hand was retrieved from the forest and sewn back on in a nine-hour operation. And a, a crowdfunding campaign raised 6 million rubles, which is around 80,000 American dollars for a prosthetic right hand that she got. Oh, so she's got good. that. And though this case was considered criminal, not administrative, like we were talking about mm -hmm. before. She was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. But the most he was going to serve is three years. Though she didn't want to be public, she went to the media to gather support. And with the public pressure, Dimitri ended up being sentenced to 14 years in prison. How? 
Amber. <laughs> if the police had taken her seriously in the first place, not wanting to get involved as in a right. family issue. Most women actually drop the charges. This could have been avoided. Yeah. And so that's that story. And because- you know what that says to me? Really just in the context of that story, but also pertaining to to the story of, of the three sisters, is that the power of, of media, especially in places like Russia, where what the content of what people can easily see on television is very much controlled, right? Right. So right. lots of, you know, internet, what you can see on the internet is kind of controlled. And so the power of being like, well, we're just like a local news channel talking to this lady. And then being able to, in a moment where it's like, I'm sure like the fucking president of Russia isn't paying attention to every small little, mm-hmm. you know, hospitalization of of a domestic violence abuse Definitely case, not. manages to get herself on the news, which then catches fire because that is the power of media. And also goes to show how important it is to like protect journalism yeah. and at least like, no, protect journalism. Not at least there's no, there's no, but after that um, and how powerful that platform can be when you yeah. can, when you can bring the plight of somebody whose voice won't be listened to by mm-hmm. the police or the people in power, and you bring that voice to all of the other people, and you allow them to hear it, and then you well, allow them to respond. I think people are. I think people They're are good. good. Like people the fact that even though, you know, like he only gets this much time in jail, which is more than he was gonna get, but it's not like mm-hmm. he's gone forever. But the fact that people would see that story not only make it so that he had to serve what. 11 more years than originally suggested, Mm -hmm. but then also helped raise the money to give her the medical help so that she could go on and raise her kids and without having, you know, not having no hands. There's a whole thing where she talks about how she can't teach her kids how to tie their shoes, but, um, but they know. So they're, they learned early. And I will also say that societies like this, it's so awful because you know, men aren't allowed to say, I'm upset about this, or I need to seek some counseling, or it's not even, because even here, I feel like even my parents' generation, you know, going to a therapist or asking, you know, somebody for help is really taboo still. I mean, not for everybody, but for a large portion of the community. And especially in Russia, like, let's say this guy's going through something. He was never taught that it's okay that his wife makes more money than him. Yeah. Or that like, that that doesn't make him less of a man. Exactly. And it's, this is going to, I think this is probably going to be a through line um, yeah. of all of these stories, at least I'm the I'm fascinated few. with this though. I'm so fascinated yeah. with- How do you change, how do you change the minds, the hearts, the like wiring right. of an entire generation of males so that we can move away from this belief that, you know, somehow like men have to be this way and do these things in order to be- perceived by the rest of society as a man and then i mean it starts obviously at home with parents teaching i was gonna say i was gonna say it starts with like our government showing it like Mm -hmm. our leaders and also our parents and you know i feel really lucky to have grown up in a house where my dad was like you are no one's ever gonna mess with you and so we were my sister and i are like one of the strongest little ladies and right there's no fucking no it's true but i also think that you know maybe getting a little too deep, but in, I kind of say that patriarchy is the source of all of our problems, even in like our weird, you know, stress right now with the, with the election. It's interesting to, to struggle to even come up with like an, 
a small idea of how we could begin to truly change the minds and hearts of adult males. I think we've got all, all of the information, all of the understanding mm. necessary to teach like young boys. But it has to, but it has, but it has to, be to also the come family. from their dads too. Yeah. And so it's just, it's complicated. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's dark. I do promise that throughout the course of this season, as I believe this trial eventually will get underway. Um, as I mentioned just today, it was delayed again for jury selection. So it's going to be at least another month, I think, before they come back for that. But any updates or anything that I'll, I'll stay on top of this one and come back at you to let you know what happens in the trial. Hey, Vanya. Yes. Did you know that a 2019 investigation by Media Zona, which is a Russian outlet mm -hmm. covering justice in prisons, said that almost 80% of Russian women imprisoned for premeditated murder between the years of 2016 and 2018 were trying to protect themselves from an abusive boyfriend or husband? Oh, my 80% of all women in prison for premeditated murder between the years 2016 and 2018 were there because they were Basically trying to Basically since that law was... Yeah, when, since the when law was repealed. Decriminalized. It's wild. Yeah. Just don't decriminalize abuse, people. Hey, Avrin. Yeah? You know, we've been talking a lot about domestic violence. I just thought, why not suggest the hotline.org, which is where you go if you're feeling like you're having a little domestic violence happening to you. So it's thehotline.org, or you can call 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Thanks, Vanya. You're welcome. I love you. And I love all of share. you. Get help for yourself or anyone you know who needs it. We love you all. Here on Rom Crime Vigilante, we aim to explore stories that aren't so black and white, where there is a gray. Where if matters aren't taken into their own hands, there is no possibility of survival. And for me, this was black and white. This I think so too. Do what you have to do to survive, That's girls. Right. We support you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you haven't yet, rate, review, and subscribe, or tell a friend. That's right. Tell a coworker. Pass us on, if you will. We feel really happy in that we are getting to sort of research these vigilante stories. Stories. So, yeah. so we want people to hit us up if you have thoughts on what you heard today. If you have a story you know about that you would like us to to research and cover on this, we are, we would love to have that dialogue. We would love to research that story anywhere around the world. Thank you guys so much for listening to Rom Crime. Vigilante. 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 Vigilante.